My guest today, Morgan Harper-Nichols, is a writer, artist, and musician who spent the first few years of her adult life as a college admission counselor, and then as a full-time touring singer-songwriter and musician. And it was on the road that she really began to cultivate a sense of curiosity and deep interest and passion for the written word beyond music and for art, and slowly began to share her art and her words with others online. And then in 2017, something happened. Morgan started a project where she invited people to privately submit their stories to her on her website. And from there, she would choose them and then create art, so words and illustration, inspired by what they sent her, then send them the original art for free. And nearly everything Morgan creates and shares today is from this project. And she always keeps the names and stories private, The public fruit of this project is shared daily on her Instagram community, which is now over a million people globally. And it also ends up often in publications on murals around the world. And from this beautiful act, really of service and generosity and love and sustained creative devotion, Morgan has increasingly been commissioned and and collaborated with global brands um, from anthropology to Adobe, Live Nation Coach, so many others. Her first full-color art and poetry book, All Along You Were Blooming, is now out in the world. It is beautiful and moving, inspiring, and reminding people that they are not alone. So excited to share this conversation with you. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Good Life Project. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Good Life Project is brought to you by Understood Explains, a podcast that's like a beacon for parents navigating the special education system. Hosted by Juliana Urtube, a special education expert, this season is all about individualized education plans, or IEPs. Juliana breaks down complex topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP in a way that's easy to grasp. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains about the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, and I was struck by the balance of empathy and practical advice. It's not just about understanding the system. It's about empowering parents and caregivers to advocate for their children, which is just so important. So I've known a number of people who've had to literally scramble to figure out how to advocate for their kids when the system seemed to just make it so hard to get the support that they need and deserve. So if you're a parent navigating this world or even just wondering if it's right for your family, I encourage you to give Understood Explains a listen. Search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. It's like having a roadmap for a journey you didn't expect, making it a little less daunting. Good Life Project is sponsored by LinkedIn Ads. So as a business-to-business marketer, your needs are unique. B2B buying cycles are long and your customers face incredibly complex decisions. So isn't it time you had a marketing platform built specifically for you? LinkedIn Ads empowers marketers with solutions tailored for B2B. Imagine having direct access to a billion professionals, including 180 million senior executives and 10 million C-level leaders with LinkedIn's powerful targeting tools built for B2B, you can drive serious results. 
LinkedIn ads generated two to five times higher return on ad spend than other social platforms in the technology space. We've actually tapped the power of LinkedIn ads a number of times ourselves, and the campaigns have been really successful. If you're ready to revolutionize your B2B marketing, try LinkedIn ads with a $100 credit on your next campaign. Terms and conditions apply. Go to linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject, or just click the link in the show notes. Terms and conditions apply. It's so good to be hanging out with you. We're in LA right now, which is, I guess you were born here, but in a heartbeat, the family jumped over to yes. really the Atlanta area, right? Yes, very true. I lived here for the first part of my life and somewhere around, I, I was almost two years old. We ended up in Stone Mountain, Georgia and my parents moved, my mom's from there originally and my parents moved there to start a church and I was a homeschooled preacher's kid. Still about in Georgia. Okay, so <laughs> coming as sort of like a suburban New York kid who's been in New York City for 30 years, what's a tiny suburb, small town? Like, or did you have like a feeling of Atlanta in the town that you were in? It's a mid sized city. Yeah. So, yeah, it okay. feels a little like it's interesting. Like, the like the city transit actually stops like right around there from Atlanta. Got so it. it's kind of like the last of the, <laughs> you know, before you start getting into more rural city. So yeah, I always felt like I was in kind of, I didn't really feel like I was in a small town, you know, yeah. it was just like, there's always people around. My parents are those kind of people who are just like, come on over, come to the house. Like it was always just like filled with people, filled with lots of different kinds of people. And so yeah, I never felt like I was in like a small town, even though I was homeschooled and like the church was like a really small church. It always just yeah. felt like there was a lot of people, a lot of people around, a lot of people to meet, which for my introvert itself, that right, was I'm a, like, is that a good thing? A bad thing? Or just, uh, <laughs> that was a lot. And I would often just like retreat to my room and draw and play piano right. and just kind of stay there. And I'm like, I wonder how I can stay up, how long I can stay up here before people realize I've disappeared. So. <laughs> like, yeah, that was high. pretty much my childhood. So <laughs> in the early days, wasn't also, I mean, the church was literally in, in like your basement, right? Yes. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> you know this. Yes. So it was literally in like <laughs> the foundation of right. my, of my childhood home. And I just remember from, and I, I wouldn't have used this language as a kid, but now looking back, I just remember sort of like always sort of wrestling with this, like, I was, I've always been very curious about people and intrigued and wanting to meet people, but at the same time, like being overwhelmed <laughs> by groups of people. So it was always this interesting mix because like I, from a young age, I always thought my parents were really cool. Like, I didn't know that, like, I mean, again, like they were like Southern, you know, preachers in this context, but they were different in the sense of like, like they were just so like on the grounds and like just very personal and very much so just like, like, yeah, we just want to get to know you as people. And I really admired and still do love just sort of their way of being in the world. But I was always just kind of scratching my head because I was just like, I'm not like that though. Right. Like, I'm like, I I get what what's happening here, but why do I feel so drained? Like, 
why do I feel like when I get ready to speak, I don't know what to say. And then I get back to my journal and all those things I was trying to say, now what's coming out. So I I didn't know for a very long time that that was okay. So I think I never asked anyone about it. I just assumed as like a little girl that like, okay, maybe I'm just weird. Maybe I'm, I've got to fix this. But in the meantime, I'll just keep drawing, (laughs) painting and figuring things out. But yeah, it was a, it was an interesting childhood. I felt like I was constantly going back and forth between those things. Like, okay, this is what the family's doing. This is what we love to do. But at the same time, like, who am I? Like, what, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I mean, especially when you're, when the family, it's almost like the family's job Yes, your parents' job is to be forward-facing in the community and to be leaders of community and invite people in. But to a certain extent, I, I also I've seen the phenomenon where if you are part of you know like the family that is in leadership in a community, whether it's faith-based or activity-based or philosophical, whatever it is, so many times the whole family has that same expectation. Like you all play this role, and you all quote should be forward facing and should be doing all these different things which if you're wired that way is awesome yeah. but if you're not it can be really kind of hard. yeah and i think about that all the time yeah. even with like i have a son who is almost eight months old and even now like when i'm painting i'm like oh i can't wait to teach him how to do this but i'm like but what if he doesn't like it that's gonna be okay but should i still teach him how much should i teach him you know it's like it's like should he just try to stick with it for a year or a month I, i'm like i don't know so yeah it's it's interesting because it's like I don't like I don't know the answer for that. You know, it's just yeah. like yeah, you're in this environment, you're in this setting, you're a part of it. But it's like it's like where do you like where does that kind of stop and where do you start if that makes sense? And I feel like that's something that I I think I still think about. Quite yeah, a bit. it does though. It does sound like you have come to a place where maybe when you were younger, we're trying to figure out okay, so like I I should be okay in this other mode. And something needs to be fixed, like something's not right. But it sounds like you have come to this place now where you're like, no, actually, that's just the way I'm wired and I'm okay with that. And there's a lot that's like beautiful and graceful and generative about it, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was through, I feel like it was through like failure that I learned that (laughs) trying to trying to like force myself to be more of what especially when I was like graduated from college of what I thought, like, this is what a grown up looks like. This is what a grown up job looks like. I will do this and I'll just do my art thing on the side. And my first job out of college was as an admission counselor where I went to school. Right. And I was just like, this feels like a very grown up job. I have a salary and I'm very grateful. I just gotten married. I met my husband in college. And then the position that I was working in was actually moving to a different part of Georgia, moving to a different part of the state. And I couldn't afford to move with the position. And and just like that, it was just like, whoa, my grown-up job, like that was supposed to be the Oof. thing while I figured everything else out. And I ended up, on, and that was when I was, I was, I guess, I graduated college at 20. And that was when I was like, either just turned 22, somewhere around there, when all that, when I was like, okay, I guess I'm leaving this. So from age 22 to 26 specifically, it was just like feet on the ground, just trying to figure out like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, I feel like it's something creative. I can't seem to escape creativity, but at the same time, I don't 
feel like anything's taking off. Right. Like, I don't... Was was that sense for creativity? Um, it sounds like that's something that was not just sort of like given permission, but really almost like embraced and exalted in your in your household mm-hmm. as a thing mm-hmm. at a really young age, which doesn't always happen. Yes, and that's something I'm very grateful for. And my mom, specifically as a kid, my mom encouraged my sister and I to create something new every day. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, she was just like, create something new every day. And she was even like, it's funny because it wasn't even just, we, we couldn't get away with just like, okay, take a red crayon and scribble the paper. She would look at it and say, did you spend time on this? Like, what's the story here? Like, she would make us really think She's about pushing it. She's pushing you. She's like, don't yeah, just take the Yeah, and easy I remember yeah. just thinking, like, come on, mom. Like, we don't have to do this. But, like, I'm so glad that she encouraged that in me. Like, I remember this one time specifically. <laughs> um, my sister and I were, we love the um, Powerpuff Girls cartoon. Mm. And we were just going on and on about how, oh, we feel like there should be more diversity <laughs> Powerpuff Girls and we were like why don't they have a black Powerpuff Girl we were just talking amongst ourselves to each yeah. other and my mom I think we were in the car and my mom like leans back and she's driving she's like why don't you guys make one make another Powerpuff Girl and we were like we can't do that and she's like yes you can and we never got around to it <laughs> we never made it but I was like she was doing that like all throughout our childhood like you can make it you can do that and it wasn't even about like you can do it and it's going to go viral and everyone's going to know about it. It was just nah. like, no, like you have that ability. Like you can. So I still thank her for that all the time because I'm just like it, the the whole concept of just like knowing that you have permission to create mm-hmm. is something that I think sadly gets taken away from a lot of people at a young age. They don't, they don't know that their voice matters and they don't know that, it's like, yeah, if you, your perspective of how that mountain looks is different than, you know, Angel Adams or someone else, but it matters, like, because that's the way you see it. And that's your creativity, whether you're an artist or not. So I'm, I feel like I'm equally passionate about like that message yeah. as I am about actually making art because I, I'm like, I, that stuff, like it made a difference when I was in my earlier twenties and I was feeling like a failure. I was like, for some reason I kept creating though. I kept trying. Right, I so kept... The seed was planted in the, <laughs> mm-hmm. in the earliest days to say like, this is actually possible. Mm-hmm. No yeah. guarantees, right? Yes. Like who yes, knows? No guarantees. But if something doesn't exist that you think should exist, you know, that I love that your mom planted that seed as if, well, why not you? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like you're just as capable of creating this thing as anybody else. Like you've got something to say or to offer. Yes, absolutely. And that's something that I just, I just try to think about like every, cause I, 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 I still create every day. Yeah. Like I wake up in the morning and that's just my, my way of starting the day. Like I either start writing or start painting, you know, sometimes I get to do it for, 30 minutes sometimes it's an hour or two it just depends on how early i wake up how early the baby wakes up right. it's all it's not so much your time yeah exactly it's like, I remember yes. those he's days. Yeah. he's running the show right now so yeah. you know we just kind of go along with it uh, yeah, yeah so um you also mentioned um you brought up journaling 
but in the context of a real young age, how, mm-hmm. when does that actually drop into your life? Yes. I started keeping a diary at eight years old. No kidding. And I still have a lot of those diaries wow. and they are so, <laughs> it was so interesting. I, I wouldn't really write a lot about my feelings or things. I was just logging the day. I was just like, Oh, a straight dog ran in the yard and then we did math and then <laughs> I had a grilled cheese, but Jamie's grilled cheese had more than mine, had more cheese than mine. It was just very... Typical eight-year-old injustices yes. and observations. Exactly. Right. And I'm like, why was I documenting this stuff? Like, no one told me to do this. So it's really fascinating to me that I was able to just keep that up. Do you and remember why, what, what the why was then? Or was I it just don't, like a compulsion? I don't. Like, I still, like, they're in my, they're still in my garage. I was just looking at them last week. No kidding. Like, trying to make sense of it. I'm like, why was I doing this? Like... Yeah. Why did I feel like I could or I should do this? And I, I still don't know. It was just, I don't know. I was like, there's a notebook here. I've got something to say and I'm going to say it. And yeah, it was very, I don't know. It was just, um, I think some of it may have been just kind of what I mentioned before. with just like I, in social situations, which there were a lot of them in my childhood, lots of them. I just often felt like, I was just a little bit slower paced at getting the words to leave mm. my mouth and communicating. I I was like, I, I want to be in on the joke, but I just feel like I'm a little few seconds behind. So I think maybe for, for me, it was like, because I will often do this at the end of the day. I think it's like, here's all the things that I wanted to say, but didn't get a chance to. Like some nights I, I, I remember I was specifically, we had one of those like, one of the old school like encyclopedia collections. Yeah. And sometimes I would just like go grab O and I would just open it up and just like write interesting things that I thought about octopus. I'm just like, mm. oh, that's kind of cool. That might come in handy later. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it was just, I'm like, oh, I want to talk about all these other little things, but there's all this other stuff going on. So I'll just talk about it in the diary. Because I always talk to diary as a person so to your diary i was right, like right. you don't know about this yet so yeah it's it's really interesting like i like to look at those childhood things and i'm glad i still have them because it's i haven't figured i still haven't figured out what was going on back then but it's interesting yeah i i wonder if at least part of what was going on was not only you saying okay this is a place where i can say what i wanted to say in my time like like you know like Nobody has to be in the room, but at least I get it out. But also, if every, if so much of your life was so sort of outward facing, it's like the journal becomes, this is a place where it's just mine. Like, I have full control yes. over this one place where I get to express myself in, like, the mode, the way, the language, the words, the timing, everything. It's like, this is just me. Like, I own this one domain, mm. and nobody can mess with it. Yes. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. And I think I'm still doing that today. <laughs> yeah, right. Just a little bit differently. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an evolution. Yeah, right? I think because I, now I share a lot of my art on social media. Yeah. And I think that that was kind of where maybe some of that began because it was just like, here's a way that I can share, but on my own terms. Yeah. Does that make sense? It was just like, okay, yes, it's putting it out there to any possible stranger in the world that could find it. But at the same time, it was just like, oh, but this is still like a little space that I have to kind of like 
and I, I get to choose what I share and what I don't share because I, I only share, I would say, it used to be about 10%. It was getting up to about 25%. I share about 25% of what I make online. Mm. So there's a lot that I just kind of keep, and I'm just like, I don't know. I think this is just the art that leads to the other art. So, yeah, I think I'm still doing that in some ways. Like, I'm just like, you know, some things are for everyone else, but then there are these other things that aren't. Yeah. And I think that line tends to change over time with us, right? And especially, I think, for folks who are, and I'm with you, I'm much more on the introverted side of the spectrum. And and that definitely, it sort of becomes a tool for self-preservation. Mm-hmm. You know, like getting really clear about where your line is for modes of engagement and interaction with other people. And whether it's one-to-one, one-to-some, one-to-many, and sort of like just constantly dynamically adjusting that so that you can do the thing you're here to do and also be okay. Absolutely. That's so true. And I feel like I'm, I'm seeing like, I feel like you just put language to like something that's been in my head because I'm like, I see myself doing that in other areas too. For instance, I'm starting to do like live events with my poetry Mm. and art. And that's incredibly intimidating for me. (laughs) I'm just like, People want to come and hear me talk. Why? It's in a book. You can read it. I'm like, why would you it's like, go out of your way? Book, like, why would you go out of <laughs> right. your way to hear me talk about it? Anyway, I just, so yeah, there's just a lot going on in the head about that. But I started to notice, I was like, even though it's it takes a lot for me mentally to be able to prepare for these events, I was like, there are some events that don't stress me out as much. Mm. So I was like, what is it about those that don't stress me out. And I realized it was events where one, it was like a workshop. So I, I was going to have the opportunity to have some kind of face-to-face one-on-one with everyone in the room, even if it wasn't for a long period of time. And they were events that were sort of within the community. Mm. So it was like something that I shared, like, to my mailing list like hey guys would you like to come to this so i was like these are people who are who are already kind of here even if we haven't engaged online and then when when i when we all get together and we meet these people i'm like oh these are my people i'm like and i feel i feel comfortable here i feel not that you know in life you're always going to be comfortable but it's just like it's nice to have that you know to to have those moments where it's like okay in this noisy world where I can oftentimes get in my head and convince myself that, oh my goodness, like maybe I shouldn't be sharing or maybe I'm not that much of an artist or maybe this, maybe that, all of these many things. I was like, it's nice to have these spaces. So yeah, when you said that about the line, like that just really got me thinking. I was just like, yeah, there's there's all of these places where it's like, oh, there is a difference between these kind of events and those kind of events. Or there is a difference between sharing on social media and sharing this with my friends. Like, there's different feelings. There's different ways that, yeah. So Yeah, know. it's so interesting also that you mentioned that when, as you're doing the live things, like the people who show up in the room are, are different. They're your people, mm. which makes total sense because fundamentally, you know, even though what you're putting out is essentially, this is these are my words, these are my thoughts, this is my voice, and this is my art embedded in that is is a set of beliefs and taste and values Mm. and it's almost like when you then decide to take the next step to do something live where you're showing up in a room and inviting anyone who wants to come the people who come are the people who are going to resonate um not just visually with your art but with what with those deeper set of sort of like qualities and traits that you're offering out it's like those are the rules of the container Mm. and if you want to step into it with me awesome and like so it almost sort of like tells people 
raise your hand if like this is the way you you see the world and you want to hang with people who are like yes. this. Yes. That is so so good. So well said. And I'm I'm so glad I'm finding it now. And then there's also this part of me that's like, gosh, I needed this like mm. <laughs> in college and high school because it was just like I just felt like I always felt so different. How so? Tell me just more. I think, so I have one sister. Okay. And she is two years younger than me. Right. And in terms of like technicality, like in terms of what we do creatively, we're very similar. We both play lots of the same instruments. We taught ourselves um, and we both write. Um, we both have written books and like working on new books. And she's, we have a lot of similarities, but she's definitely more high energy extroverted. Mm. And she was really interested in YouTube very early on. And the combination of her high energy and YouTube and the creativity, those things together, like it started to make some noise pretty early on. And she was like getting all these opportunities, like just like supporting, she has Tourette syndrome and she was raising awareness about it and like interviewing other teens who like, I was just like, what are you like? I felt like she was just off to the races. And meanwhile, I'm over here like, Okay, um, I've written a few poems in my journal, but do I read those on YouTube? Like, what do I do? Right. And she's so, your little sister too, yes. so you're probably thinking, wait, like, yes. I should be the one who's like exactly. out in front figuring things out. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what was kind of happening at home, you know. In addition to my parents yeah. being just so, they're just so like. Like every time I see my parents, they're like, oh, we met this amazing couple at TJ Maxx. We talked for an hour. That's a real story that just happened two days ago. I'm just like, how do you find the time? And like they're showing pictures on their phone. They're like, this is the couple we met. They're amazing. We can't like, what is, so I was just like, what is wrong with me? So at home, I just felt so different amongst these three very outward people who are just like finding their way to connect with others in a way that I couldn't. And then I just felt like with other teenagers, my age, it was either, it was one extreme or the other. They were like, okay, the art thing, that's weird. Or it was like, they were like in bands and they were like out there and they're fully colored MySpace pages. Mm. And I was just like, what am I supposed to do? There was one place that I felt like there were my people and mm. it was this um, forum called the Young Writer Society. Online forum? Mm-hmm, online mm. forum. And I'm I'm actually a distinguished member there. Ah. <laughs> It's so only the gold card. Yeah, it's actually gold. They made our <laughs> usernames gold. So <laughs> that was that was like kind of like my pocket. I was like, I just wish that these kids. I wish we were in a room together. Yeah. So it was like that was like my group, and I've actually like stayed in touch with some people from that forum um, many years later. Um, and I was just like, gosh, like I was like, I just wish those kids. Like those people, like when we were sharing like our pumps, like we would have like th- like monthly themes, like this month we're doing like Lord of the Rings themed poetry. And it was yeah. just very interesting space. And I was just like, gosh, I just wish that we were all like together in real life. So, you know, it took a long time, but I feel like I'm finding that now. Yeah. I'm 29. Did you, did you feel the same yeah. way in, uh, in college too? And also um, I noted that, so you graduated college at 20. So you mm-hmm. went to college. Yes, young. I went to college at 16. Wow. Yes. And now because the homeschooling sort of accelerated things. Well, or? yes, my mom was, uh, she started at, me at kindergarten at three. She Got just, it. 
<laughs> she just wanted to see. She's like, I just want to see if you can learn this stuff. She just kept it up. So <laughs> we just look up one day. It's like, oh, you're 16 and a senior. I guess it's time to go to college. Right. So I went to a small private uh, liberal arts college called Point University that's in Atlanta. Mm. So, and it was, it was like, I feel like it was like the perfect balance of like, okay, I'm going away to school, but I didn't have my driver's license yet. So I was just like, (laughs) it was, and, and this is in a place where, you know, like we had public transit, but you can't rely on it in the South, like you can't in other cities. So yeah, most students had a car and, you know, there's like no Uber or anything back then. So my parents were still pretty close. There were times where they had to take me places. And But yeah, I feel like I, I started to find a little bit of community in college, but it was mostly in the classroom with my professors. <laughs> like mm. I was, um, I wouldn't say like a teacher's pet in like the traditional sense, but I was just very, when I, when I would hear several different professors talk, I was just like, there's something about them and about what they're doing with their lives that I like. I'm like, this is just sitting... related to them more. Yeah. It was yeah. just like, they're, they're sitting here talking about books yeah. and it's like, like there were a few particular classes, like literature classes and things like that, where, you know, the 50 minutes would end and I'm like, I could have stayed here longer. Like I could, have, I enjoy that. I couldn't quite figure out where I fit in that. Like I was like, I don't know if, I'm a professor. Like, I don't know if that's what it is, but I was just like, there's something about whatever they're Mm. doing that I'm interested in. So um, I ended up switching majors quite a few times and switching. Because you started out with music, right? Yeah. Or or was that somewhere along the way? I did. Yeah. I was, I was, because that was the, I started with music because I felt like it was the most, um, it was probably my, of all the different things that I tried artistically, it was kind of my, sharpest skill at that time because mm. i had started teaching myself at like 14 and i just became like laser focused like obsessed with it <laughs> right. and um teaching myself guitar and writing songs and all of that so i started with um started with music but it was the performance part really really uh, got to so me so much of back to that same yes, thing right yes, so, it's so like, much of like the credits that you right, earn you have so like interesting. you have to take choir and then you have right. to be in guitar ensemble and I'll, i'm like there i looked at my schedule i was like every single class has a ends with performance i was like the semester is gonna end with me doing like 20 performances i was like how did this happen this is this is so interesting to me because <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated by um the idea of yeah, like so you have people who just love to perform. They're like the thing that lights them up more than anything else is being on a stage, being in a room, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And it's the ability to illuminate a moment, a story, whatever it is, with other people there. And but then you also have have people where the real fun of that experience is actually the creative generative work that goes on before you do it. And it's almost like you're good just handing it off to somebody else. <laughs> yes. But, but, but there's this expectation in the world oh, that like yes. that one person has to do both. Oh. And, and for somebody who's wired like you, that can be kind of brutal. I just got chills when you said that. Yeah. Just the expectation. That is real. Just because I feel like for me, when I held that guitar in my hand, this is an age when like American Idol was on the rise and like, Taylor Swift had just come out and like this image of like girl with a guitar you sing you have a voice like obviously 
that's the path. Obviously, you should be on stage. And yeah, I felt like that was what was expected of me. Mm. And I felt like to not do that in that capacity all the time would be irresponsible. And I don't feel that way now, but I definitely felt that way then. And it really, yeah, you know, when you're a teenager, like you're, you're trying to figure out what to do. And if grownups say, this is a good idea, here's some scholarship money, come, welcome, you can sing, come sing. Then you say, okay, all right, I'll do it. And at least for me, that's what I did. And yeah, I was just overwhelmed by like one, the performances. That was the, the biggest thing. Like I love the theory classes. Like I loved yeah. being able to just sit and study me loved music appreciation. Like the classes that oftentimes my classmates were just like, Oh my gosh, can we just get out of here? I was like, that's where I want it to be, like in the lab. Like I want it to be in the lab. I love that. It was literally the piano lab and I was like, yeah, that's where I want to be. So I was like, well, that was that's that was kind of exhausting. So I looked at my transcript and the classes that I had a 100 in that I was just like the best in. It was um the English classes. Anything mm. that anything where the that I'm sorry if I'm like not saying this right, but anything where like the metrics of like how your grade was earned, if it had to do with writing a paper, I just that was your jam. Yeah, that yeah. was it. And I was like, whoa, those were the easiest classes. I was like, I don't even remember. Like, like I was like, I barely even remember yeah, those yeah. papers. And and I'm getting good grades. I was like, this is amazing. So I was like, maybe I'll switch to English. So I did. I switched to English. And then another opportunity came at another school. Uh, for music again. And I went back. Mm. I so you're kind of going back and forth. <laughs> and I yeah. went back and then I went back and I was like, nope, that wasn't it. <laughs> Should have listened the first time. Um, then I ended up at community college for a semester. And that was a very pivotal moment because I took a an American literature class and we had to write a poem for an assignment. And I just wrote one and I handed it in. And the professor, Mr. Milford, he... And I, I've, I feel like I tell him this like every year. I'm like, hey, Mr. Milford, just so you know, this moment was pivotal. Thank you. He said, hey, um, so you're a writer. Like, you should do that. <laughs> and he was like, do you know? And then he just started telling me about all the possibilities for writers. No one had ever really shared that with me about like, it's like, yeah, there's MFA programs. There's people who write for journals. There's people who write essays. I was like, whoa, whoa. Like, there's a whole world here that I never I never knew about. Um, perhaps loosely in the sense of like, okay, yeah, I see books about these things or, you know, but I was like, me? Like, I could do that? Mm. And I was like, okay, all right, Mr. Milford, I'm a writer. Thank you very much. Switched back to English, <laughs> went back to the school where I started. And from there on out, I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Yeah. I don't know if this means that I will have like the lowest salary ever, but I don't care. I was like, I'm going to write. I'm going to, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Foreshadowing so, when you were eight, journaling, yes. turning to that thing, right? Yes. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Good Life Project is sponsored by LinkedIn Ads. So, as a business to business marketer, your needs are unique. B2B buying cycles are long, and your customers face incredibly complex decisions. So, isn't it time you had a marketing platform built specifically for you? LinkedIn Ads empowers marketers with solutions tailored for B2B. Imagine having direct access to a billion professionals, including 180 million senior executives and 10 million C level leaders, with LinkedIn's powerful targeting tools built for B2B, you can drive serious results. LinkedIn ads generated two to five times higher return on ad spend than other social platforms in the technology space. We've actually tapped the power of LinkedIn ads a number of times ourselves, and the campaigns have been really successful. If you're ready to revolutionize your B2B marketing, try LinkedIn ads with a $100 credit on your next campaign. Terms and conditions apply. Go to linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject or just click the link in the show notes. Terms and conditions apply. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33 inch all terrain tires and multi terrain select, then unwinding with the available front row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You get out of school. Um, you, I mean, you, you got to take care of yourself. Married pretty soon after that yeah. also. And it's like, okay, so I got to at least for now get a full-time job that's yes. sort of like going to sustain me. So you end up in, in admissions in, in the same school you're mm-hmm. at, right? Yes, um, yes. And were you also simultaneously thinking about or doing like an MFA in writing? I Yes. Yeah, so, okay. so because Mr. Milford encouraged me, I was like, yes, I MFA program. That's what I'm going to do. So I applied and I got into a really great program that I still love to this day. But honestly, my workload with the admissions much, program, yeah. I couldn't do it. So I, I just did one semester and I'm like, till this day, I'm like, I hope to get back there 
at some point. But it was honestly just the workload. Like I remember specifically um, because as an admission counselor, I was doing I was doing recruiting for the school. So I was going to high schools like at the college fairs and setting up at the table. And I actually remember I think the iPad had just came out or I'd just gotten the iPad. I remember um, because there were times where there were um, more popular schools at the things and our table was, you know. There's some tumbleweed there. And I would just have my iPad in between when students were coming. I would just have my iPad like on my lap and I'm like trying to write poems. And it was just like, I'm like, I don't think this is Mm. the best work. I'm not, I'm not able to give my best self. So I was just like, and at that point, you know, I didn't have like, you know, at least, I mean, I didn't, really have like a full ride scholarship or anything with this MFA program. I'm like, okay, I already have a ton of student loan debt. I'm like, if I'm going to be in this program and pay all of this money, I was like, I have to make it like really count. And I'm just not getting, not able to give my best. So yeah, I finished that semester and I was just like, I'll be back. Yeah. I I mean, it sounds like then there's this window where, just kind of a lot of stuff starts spinning. So that, like you meant, you shared earlier, that job ends up being, kind of like being pushed into a different campus somewhere else where you're not like you're not moving there. Your sister simultaneously is getting traction in the world of music. Yes, you have this background in music, so it sounds like the next sort of like window. Like there's this short season where you, her, your husband too, mm-hmm. kind of on the road doing the music thing. Yes, yes. So my sister had been really faithful to the YouTube thing. And she was, till this day, that's still like through the lens of YouTube. She loves film and filming music and all these things. And that led to her doing arena tours and a record deal and all of these things. Super, like it was, she was, I want to say, she was still in college when this, when it was starting, I want to say maybe a junior Mm. when this was starting. So she was still in school doing all of this and she didn't have like a team or anything. So my husband and I were like, well, because he was actually still in school. Um, So when I was working at missions, he was still in school. So that job wasn't looking like it was going to last much longer. (laughs) So we were just like, what if we just went on the road with you? Like, and we'll just, do whatever and we'll set up merch and we'll do this. So yeah, that kind of became, my husband ended up becoming a tour manager. And then in a very short period of time, I ended up on stage myself. (laughs) So given the conversation we've had, like up until now, what's that like for you? Because it's like, you've spent so much of your energy Mm. now not being that person. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) And I just felt like, well, you know, it doesn't look like I have a ton of options right now. You know, I was like, I have a bachelor's in English. I have, I'm an MFA dropout. Um, I worked in admissions for a few minutes. You know, what am I going to do? And I was just like, well, one thing that, okay, so this is what it was. So when my sister signed her record deal, I found out about, I went with her one day in Nashville. I went with her and with the record deal, and I'm probably getting the terminology wrong, but with the record deal, somehow you also get a songwriting publishing deal. Mm. And when the record deal part, I was like, oh, cool for you. Like, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you, sis. And then with the songwriting aspect of it, I was like, we went into like the offices and there was like 
writer's room. So that was the first time I heard that phrase. I was like, a writer's like, room? Wait, this doesn't have to be the same person? Exactly. <laughs> yes. right. I was yeah. like, that's a separate thing yeah. for writers? And there were people coming in the doors, some with instruments, some with not, some were not. Some were singers, some were not. But they were going into these rooms to write by themselves, to write with others. And I was like, no, that sounds interesting. <laughs> I was like, it's music, it's writing, it's poetry, it's all those things. I was like, how do I get one of those? <laughs> I was like, how can I do that? And this isn't like official, like how, officially how it works, but at least just in that frame, in that context we were in at that moment, it was like, well, you know, the best route probably for you, since you can sing and you can play, would be to just be an artist, right. get a record deal, and then you'll get that opportunity. So I was like, oh, okay. All right. I guess I got to do the performing thing. So that honestly was my motivation. So it's almost like <laughs> you were willing to suck up the, yes. the, the, yes. the record deal Absolutely. and the performance side in the name of being able to like hide away yes. and just write this Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do the shows, but I get right. to do that too, right? right? I get to go in the writer's rooms and all that. So I did. I did. I got an opportunity to get a record deal and- mm to be in the writer's rooms, but just the nature of the music industry, it just, that didn't last very long. (laughs) You know, things change and a lot of times there's just not a lot you can do about it. So I was just like, okay, you know, I kind of maybe naively went into it thinking like, oh, this is just like a salary position and you just go in and you just write songs forever. But with as is true with a lot of creative fields, it's like, well, maybe everybody's field. It's like in some positions, like you only get so many at bats, you know, and it's like, you got to make hits. Like that's why they, they bring you on (laughs) to to make hits. I mean, they're music business, they're businesses. And I think maybe I was just kind of naively thinking, Oh, I've got time to kind of like, you know, try things out here and, and, and make songs with meaning and maybe they'll, you know, rise to the top. And they did not. The songs I wrote did not. And so around the time I was, yeah. So we, I ended up, I don't remember exactly when I signed. It's honestly all kind of running together. Maybe that was 2014 or so. Um, and then into 2016, that was kind of like that window was closing. It was like, okay, mm. you know, you're not really putting out the hits. Nah. And, and then the fateful moment. Yes, the fateful moment. <laughs> end of 2016. Yes. That's when, yeah. Or, or end of 2015 into like early Oh, 16. no, you're, you're exactly right. right. Okay. Yeah, it was November 2016. Yeah. Um, as that music window was kind of closing, <laughs> we were floating out into the wind. My husband and I randomly moved to Dallas, Texas. And we were just like, why not? <laughs> Let's just start over. It's like, honestly, it was like, it's cheap to live there. We know a few people. We love Tex-Mex. We'll figure out the rest from there. <laughs> so he started working in construction and I was just at home. I was just doing like random freelancer things. Like just along the way, I've always like messed around with Photoshop and I was doing random t-shirt designs, poster designs, like little things here and there and just trying to figure it out. And one night in 2016, um, November, that November, um, it just, I just think the weight of all those, like you said, expectations and feeling like I had, I had let people down. I feel like I let down people who had supported me, especially like my family and, 
And I was just like, okay, I was, I'm an artist. I know how to make things. People tell me, oh, you're talented. You're this and that. But it's like, and yeah, I keep getting told no. Doors keep closing. I was like, what am I supposed to do with that? And I, I'm not much of a crier, but I feel like this is kind of a trend that people say who are not criers. Like, it hits you eventually, and then it's just a waterfall. And that just happened, and I just, I just broke down. I was like, I don't know what's next. I don't know if I can keep meeting those expectations. I don't know. Like, I don't know why, but I just feel like an absolute failure. Maybe there's just, maybe that same childhood thing of like, I'm too weird. I'm too different. I'm like, maybe that's just it. I'm just too weird for everybody. And I wrote a poem about that. And I hadn't written a poem in terms of like how I felt in, I don't know how long. Because even Mm. when I was in my MFA program, like I felt like, okay, like there is a way that published poets write and I must write in that way. So I, even then, but in terms of like vulnerable, just, I don't know what to say anymore. Like my back's against the wall. This is ground zero. Like I'm just going to pour my soul on paper. I don't know when the last time that was, that happened. And the words just came out and the poem starts with, When you start to feel like things should have been better this year, remember the mountains and valleys that brought you here. And as I started to write this, you know, I would love to say that, like, I just believe that to be true, but I didn't. But at the same time, the words just kept coming out. It's almost like you're writing to convince yourself, to to remind yourself. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I may not have said it that way then. It was just like, for some reason, this is coming out of me and I'm just going to write it down. So I had it, I wrote it down on a piece of paper in my journal. And then I was like, huh, that's a poem. I was like, maybe I could share that or something. So I grabbed my phone, took a picture of it. And I was like, I'm going to share this on Instagram. Like, why not? And I got ready to share it. I went through all the little screens, you know, pick the filter, da, 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 at the caption, everything. And I went to that top right corner and I got ready to press share. And I just like pulled my hand back. I was like, no this is too vulnerable. I was like, this is too much. I, I can't share this. But I was like, at the same time, it was weird. I felt like I just had to like release it. I had to do something mm. with it. I don't know why I felt that way, but I just did. So I posted it on Pinterest instead. And I was just kind of like, ah, maybe someone will see it over there. Maybe not. I don't know. That's just my way of doing the brave thing. I put it out there in right. the world. It's gone. I can forget about it. And I did forget about it for a few months. And then that following January is when I started to receive messages from people who I knew and on Instagram. And they said, hey, there's this reality star that posted your poem. You wrote a poem like on their page. <laughs> like, is this you? <laughs> and I was like, yes, that is my poem. I have absolutely no idea how she found that. But that's mine. And that ended up happening like a few more times. Like there was like an athlete that posted it and like people were tagging me like this person posted like a poem of yours. Cause I wasn't like putting poetry out there. Right. So people that I knew, like people knew me for trying to do the music thing. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I wrote that, but how was this thing getting out there? So I went back and looked at Pinterest and it had been repinned over a hundred thousand times. And till this day, 
I don't know how that happened. Like I didn't put tags on it. I didn't, I don't know. Mm. I guess it was confluence of a lot of different things just all at once. Yes. So even after that got out, I was still just like, maybe that was just like a one time thing, you know, like, I'm like, I can't be a poet. I'm like, I dropped out of my program. I didn't get the rest of the the clues as to how to do this. I was like, I can't do this. I don't know. So for a few like weeks there, I was just kind of like trying to juggle that. I was I had this, you know, this thing happened, but I didn't really feel like I had more poems in me. I was like, in a way, I was like, and I've never really thought about it this way until now. I was like, in a way, I think that was supposed to be like the last poem. I think that was like the poem of like, all right, that was it. Hmm. That was a sum of everything. Like that was my last attempt at trying to be this positive, inspirational artist person that everyone is expecting me to be. I was like, that's it. That's all I got. And so I don't think I had an idea of like where to go from there. Um, however, this this poem kept getting shared and I started to receive people's messages from people that I didn't know. And they were saying things like, look, I don't know who you wrote this for or what it was about, but here's what I'm going through. And this is what this point means to me. And some of these stories that I was receiving, I mean, I thought I was going through something. I mean, this was the stories just of loss and tragedy far beyond anything that I had dealt with. And it was in those moments that I felt inspired to write. Mm. And I realized I was like, oh, there are other people out there. All along, it was about other people and connecting. All along, it was about connecting. And and I was so focused on trying to connect maybe up a ladder, you know, of like, oh, if I write a hit song or if I follow these rules or if I do this, then I'll be able to make a career out of it and I'll be, I'll be safe. I'll be okay. And all along it was like, no, like it was just about connecting with other people. They didn't have to be like people in suits. They didn't have to be executives, just other people. And, and I just started to realize I'm like, even though you know, I spent so much of my life feeling like I couldn't connect. It was through these messages. I was like, oh, I did. I did. I was like, I was writing words I didn't even believe for myself. But for some reason, someone who I don't even know, doesn't know me, felt heard in that. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't, I didn't know that was possible. And that's when I started to try to write poems again. And I was like, okay, I'm going to share these because this isn't about my story anymore. This is about, this is a, a service now. Like this is something that I can give a contribution. I can give to the world, to one person. I was like, even if other people think this poem is cliche or not interesting or whatever, it doesn't matter. This is a letter to her. This is for her. And it was just so, yeah, it took a long time to figure that out. Yeah, But I'm, I'm so grateful for that. That's that's kind of got me what got me where I am now and honestly what keeps keeps me keeps me writing and keeps me creating despite all of that. Yeah. And I mean it sounds yeah. like you you also you something happened where you realized that I can do the part that I love to do and 
what I create can speak to thousands and now millions of people, mm. but I don't have to actually step onto a stage and be yeah. live in a room with sort of like mass numbers of people mm. in performative mode in order for that to happen. Like you figured out that there's another way yes. to make, to get the full suite of what makes you come alive happen without you having to go and sort of like suffer in that one particular mode. Yes. And um, when this episode comes out, I'm going to have to go back and read it, listen to what you said. And I'm going to write that out and put that on my wall because the way you just said it, I'm like, yes, that is what happened. That is what happened because it's so, when you're in it, it, it never, it doesn't always feel like you're, you know, like on a journey, you're just like, I'm stuck here in this, whatever this is. Like, I can't get out of my head. I can't get out of it. And at some point, it's like other people, other other things, like they come in and, and remind you, like, no, you are alive. Like, you are. Like, I do see you. And in a weird way, other people sharing their stories with me reminded me that I was seen. And it's mm. like, they didn't know my story. They didn't know why I wrote that. There's still details to this day about everything that happened that I still haven't figured out how to talk about yet. So it wasn't even, it's not about like, oh, you have to share every aspect of it and then someone's going to get it. It's like, no, it's just those little flickers, like those little things that just like, it's like, no, I, I love to do this. Like, I love this work. And I just found that I was like, just to be able to see other people appreciate the love that the work that I love creating the most, like that was special. And I guess that was maybe like the first time that I, that I felt like that really happened for me in a really significant way. So that honestly gave me so much confidence. I mean, I still have self doubt. Um, a lot as I create. And as long as you have a heartbeat. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All of us are like, yeah. And it's just like, but like, I'll give you an example. Like, so, you know, I'll get comments time to time. Like people are like, oh, these poems are so cliche. They all sound the same. And there's been a few where someone has said something, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, they didn't like it. And I look at that poem and I'm just like, oh, but it wasn't for you. Mm. I was like, this is literally for someone else. Like I have like a, we're doing like a, um, like a journal that's coming out a little later and there's one of the pieces in it and I look at it and I, I'm like, Oh, this was for a 10th grader. I remember her. I know who she is. So I'm like, even if no one else likes it, I was like, it was for her. And in a way, like I'm just kind of CCing everyone else on what was for her. So, yeah, it's almost hard for me not to create this way now. Yeah, like, and we should yeah. probably put a little bit, a little bit more because you kind <laughs> oh, of for like sure. offer what it was, but effectively, <laughs> mm-hmm. what you know, you hit a point where you're creating for yourself and people are responding, but then you you made a really in, intentional shift in yes. the way that you were deciding to create and for whom, yeah, and sort of like the sequence of events. Yes, and I think. That is so powerful. So, and you kind of hinted at it, yeah. but let's make it explicit. For sure. So 
after that experience with that poem kind of, you know, going viral on Pinterest and people finding it, and I started receiving these stories and I'm just like, okay, whatever is happening when people, when I'm reading these responses, I was like, this is where I'm getting inspired. I was like, I'm getting inspired by this. I was like, this is what's keeping me going despite all of this, you know, that I feel like I can't do it. I was like, they make me want to keep writing. <laughs> and um, so for it took it took several months to put it together uh but i think i was just working out different things in my brain like mm, maybe maybe there's a way i can just like make this my rhythm like maybe this is just like my flow how i do it how i make art like i, I just make it for other people i make it for people's stories like it's for people's stories one at a time that's what it is one at a time for everyone that wants me to write for their story one at a time i'll do it so that was in October of that year. So January was when that start was when that poem started getting out there right. and people started sharing it. And it wasn't until that October that I finally I was just standing. I was actually um, by this point we had moved back to California. <laughs> but I was standing in my childhood home in in Georgia. And um my parents are still there. And I was just looking out the window and I was like I know what I'll do. And interestingly enough, I never thought of this till now. I was standing in the same room where I had actually started um, getting on that forum, Young Writer mm. Society. Like that was that was the room. That's the room where the magic happens, Some I suppose. juju in that room. Yeah, <laughs> so I was standing there, um, like literally right next to where that desk was. And I was like, I know. I'm just going to post on my Instagram, hey, send me your story. And, and I'll write something for your story and I'll send it to you. And then I'll share it with everyone else, but I won't tell everyone their story because that's not the part that matters. That's that's private. Like they don't have to share their story. We're just going to share the fruit and the and the honoring of their story through a poem. Yeah, that's what it is. So it just all kind of like <laughs> came came together in that moment, and I just posted like it wasn't like a pretty graphic or anything. Till this day, I've never thought of a name for the project. Like I don't know what it's called, and I was just and I everything I just said, I just posted that in like a a long little thread on my Instagram story I just said a long little thread but yeah it was just like it was just like a little paragraph on my Instagram story and I was like you know maybe a few people will respond you know at that time I had I don't know I can't remember how many followers I had maybe between 10 and 20,000 or so just from you know doing music and everything and traveling but it wasn't really like a really engaged interactive right. audience like it was just kind of like okay here are people here um, so I was like, I don't know, maybe a few people will see this. And a few people responded. And I was like, oh, so I sat down at the table right there and I had my iPad. And at the time, like, I'd been curious about doing some like digital artwork, but I didn't really know a ton about it. So I had this iPad and I mean, it was very basic. It was just like, like green or gray background and writing text. Like I didn't, I didn't know anything about lettering or any of that stuff. And I was just like, okay, this person, there's her, her story. It makes me think of her journeying up a mountain. I'll just write about that. So I did, I think that, that, that day I did three, I did three. It was like three stories I got. And I think it was, I want to say it was like the first three that I got. And it was just like, okay, yeah, I'm just, I just wrote for those three. I was like, this feels awesome. Like I enjoy this. So I just left the iPad alone. I left Instagram alone for the day, woke up the next day and I had like, hundreds of messages um from people that didn't even follow me and they're like hey my friend posted that you're like writing for people's stories that's so mm. cool like can i tell you my story and i was like sure <laughs> 
Yes. And I was so excited. And I was like, I can't remember the last time I was this excited to just make things. Like, gosh, like it just took me back to my childhood. Like, I was like, this is what I'm excited about. I want to do this. I want to do more of this. So, yeah, it, it got to a point where I didn't have the time to write for everyone's stories. And I was like, I can't possibly choose. I was like, so I just randomly select. I just started to randomly select. So this was day two where that was happening because they were just rolling in. And um, interestingly enough, I actually had a show that night. <laughs> um, I had a show because I was still doing like a few, and I still do like, I mean, a few shows here and there. And all I could think about was just like, gosh, I got to get back to that. Like, I can't wait to go back to the hotel. Like, I got to do this. This is, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So that became like every day I was like, maybe I'll just do this for the whole week. And then it was like, oh, I'll just do it for the rest of the month. Oh, I'll just do it for the rest of the year. And here we are, like in 2020. And <laughs> I'm still doing it every single week. And that has just become the the thread that that holds my whole creative process together. And I think a lot of it just goes back to not not feeling like I could connect and then just having all these moments where I just felt like I was just out in the wilderness and I was completely disconnected from all these things I love to do because I wasn't able to manage manage how to figure out how to be successful at it based on all these other standards or things. And then to have these beautiful, incredible souls from all over the world, people who I don't know, some of them I may never meet, and for them to take the time to tell me their story. Like, I I couldn't have planned it. And I'm just, yeah, so that's that's what I do. So that's yeah. what I do. I, I write poetry and I make art. People still send me emails and Instagram messages. And for a period there, I was actually doing it every day. Um, but after having my son, you know, I just don't things have the change. time. Yeah, yeah, things change. I don't have the time. So at least once a week. I make it a point to sit down and just take in stories mm. and in just real time, a lot of times what happens is I'll just read their story and whatever word comes to mind, like sometimes it's trust. Sometimes it's, I think they're looking for freedom, healing. Sometimes it's river, sunrise, horizon. And I just kind of work from that word. And sometimes like, the person responds with like a long message, like this was my word of the year. And sometimes it's literally like, okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> and do it for that. Yeah. Right. And sometimes it's no response at all, yeah. but it's like, I was like, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm like, why do I still feel like I still feel good. Right. I still, so I feel like that's how I felt. Yeah. I feel like it's my thing. <laughs> Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. 
its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select, then unwinding with the available front-row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Do you ever reflect on, in a kind of a quirky, different way, it almost, from the outside looking in, so I'm curious whether it ever feels like this from the inside looking out, like you have recreated what your dad did and what your mom did by sort of like buying into a set of values and beliefs, being in service of others, being like, but always still exalting that, that heartbeat of creativity and generative and the maker side and then building community around it. But it's almost like you looked at that and you've kind of recreated that, but entirely on your terms and in a way that honors sort of like the uniqueness of who you are and what you need and don't need from it. Yes. Yes. I, I still tell my parents fairly often that, because I mean, we, we joke about it, you know, like, oh yeah, Morgan used to go hide around her, hide in her room and she would disappear. <laughs> it's like, is she still alive? So we, we joke about it, but I always tell them, I'm like, it was your example that, that led me, led me back to this place. And it, and I was like, I know none of us could have predicted how all that was going to happen. But when I see it, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a different version of them, but it was, it was watching them in real time that taught me because, you know, my parents, I mean, they didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot of, you know, like notable connections or things like even with like how we got into music. Like I was so interested, like when I got to Nashville and how many people were like, oh, yeah, my dad's in the industry. And I'm like, whoa, like that's <laughs> that seems convenient. I mean, I, obviously, I know people so work hard to get where they are. Um, but I was just like, I was like, man, we didn't have any, anything. We didn't know a single person who could connect us to any of this. So it was just very, yeah, it was, what did I say? Oh yeah. So yeah, I would, I think I was just getting out of like, it was very like, they were, they were just doing it with what, just 
being present and to their community with what they had. And it wasn't very much. But because of that, it just showed me a, a special kind of creativity that I will hold forever. Like my mom had, we had a baby grand piano in the house that didn't work. Uh, my mom got it for like 75 bucks and she painted it bright red. And I remember sometimes like people would come over and say like, why is your piano red? My mom's like, cause I like red. <laughs> <laughs> and like, does it work? Nope, it doesn't. And it was just like, huh, like there was just all these quirky little things that happened and interesting things that they did that even though I felt so intimidated and stressed out on the forefront and, you know, when I thought about it from, you know, in my brain, there was still all of these things that, I don't know if this sounds weird, if it even makes sense, but it was like, yeah, it was almost still kind of like I embodied that message and I embodied the creativity, even though I it took years to find language for it. It took years to see how all that connects. And I'm and I'm like, yeah, I, I turn 30 next week and I'm just like, yeah, I'm still going to see more connections, you know, yeah. things that I that. Yeah. So I, I'm grateful now that like I'm seeing enough connections now of like, OK, yeah, all of that that I went through, all of that in my childhood and like that informs where I am today. And I'm grateful that I can at least see, see some fruit of that. Yeah. And it sounds like your mom also really modeled the idea that it's, it's okay to be a strong woman with preferences and opinions and does things differently. And if you want to paint the baby grand red, (laughs) you paint it red just because you want to, and that's okay. And that's like, and that's not just okay, but like, yeah, like that's what we do. Yeah. So to see that model though, so I mean, it definitely seems like it's woven its way through. As mm-hmm. as we're hanging out here recording this in studio, you have a, a, a new book out. So so yeah. what started as this, you know, a moment which was kind of like coming back from your knees and like there's something that I have to get out and just put it out, turns into something that becomes this massive outlet for your creativity, um, for your expression, a, a giant global community with over well over a million people following your work these days. And now a book, which is kind of like another full circle moment <laughs> to a certain extent. I mean, I know you put out a, um, you'd self-publish something a, a little earlier, but mm-hmm. this feels different. Yes, absolutely. It feels very different. Um, as I started to share these poems online, you know, I, I had thoughts like, Oh, I wonder if I could like get a literary agent and like write a book. Like that would be cool. Um, But I had no idea of how to go about that. And then also, I mean, I have like such a deep love for poets and poetry. And I just felt like I wasn't in the class of like, like, I mean, I was just, yeah, I, I, I try to have like high standards for myself. I'm like, that's what I want to get to, but I'm so far away. So maybe I should just leave it alone and write poetry on Instagram. <laughs> and so I, I was kind of like very loosely, like it would be nice to write a book. It would be really nice. Um, but I don't know how to go about it. 
But at the same time, I was like, what if I self-published like a full colored hardback book? That, as it turns out, is incredibly hard to do. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's not an option. I was like, maybe I do need to get like a publisher or something. And I was just like, another wall. Like, I don't know what to do with that. And around the time I was kind of like wrestling with that, a publisher reached out and was like, we would like to do a book with you, a full color hardback book. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. So, um, yeah, so that process began and it's all new pieces, which is, which was challenging for me in a lot of ways because I felt very and still feel very attached to my process, which is Mm. people send me their stories and I write for them and I send it to them first and then I share it with everyone else. So the poems that are in this book the only way that I was able to write it, and the, this is the best way I can explain it, I hope it makes sense, of like, these are kept pieces. They're pieces that when I, because when I'm writing back to people, I try not to overwhelm them. Because <laughs> mm. sometimes I just like really get in a flow and I'm just like, oh, I can go in this direction. And I'm just like, I have to remember that sometimes people are just like reading this, like they open the email, like when they're in line at the grocery store, I'm like, let me not like <laughs> overwhelm them. And so there are times where I would just like say, okay, I want to say more, but let me just leave it, you know, these 14 lines, let me just leave that. And then I'll just write more for myself, you know, later. So this book is that second half Mm. of that poem over and over. It's the, the poems that I was just like, I don't know if Instagram's the place, like, I don't know if. I'm going to email this to them. This feels like it needs to be written. This feels like it needs to be like, like touched on a page in some way. So that was the only way I I knew to write it. And now when I look at it, it's a very special collection Mm. because I was also, while I was doing that, that was when I was also pregnant with my son and I was having to, to learn the lesson of, Hey, like, your energy level is going to change. And I I realized that even though I love my work, I do have the tendency to overwork quite a bit. And I realized like when when I was pregnant, I was just like, oh, like, yeah, I guess I, I can't just sit here all day and just like, oh, I'm tired. Let's go get some coffee. It's like, no, you need to rest. You need to learn how to rest. So yeah, there were a lot of life lessons that were happening for me while I was writing this book. So yeah, it's very special. So it's it's a lot of part twos, a lot of like, if you've ever seen anything of mine and or if you ever read anything of mine, like on the internet, like I would say the book is like, here's what comes after that. You know, mm. here's sort of the expanded version. Yeah, no, I love it. And it's it's beautiful. And, and if people haven't haven't sort of gotten from the conversation already, you know, like the poems expanded into your also visual art and they kind of came together and you developed a very distinct style and and color palette and approach to which really just so the overall experience is just really um moving i i have um i actually can would you read something oh sure awesome i actually um if you wanted to pick something different also but oh i would love this one actually from your book (gasps) just kind of really stuck out to me Mm, yes. And again, if you want to choose something different, don't no, this is this is one of my favorites. 
I'm so grateful you chose this one. If you ever start to feel weary of the mundane and completely restless in all that has not changed and rather numb to the mention of grace, let today be the day you make the mindful decision to find joy in the ordinary places. The white light between the bedroom blinds, the taste of rich, dark coffee grinds, for even though the extraordinary calls you and you feel its river running wild through your bones and your heart is craving meaning and purpose on the other side of your unknowns, there are still these flickers of light and familiar tastes that are calling your heart to know. Even when you are still, there are so many ways to find your way to gratitude. And the art is a line drawing of sort of like a, a window, a desk by a window. And there's like a mountainscape beyond the window. That's just sort of like, for me, that was just a way of showing that there's always something beyond, but it begins right here. So like, there's always something, there's something more to this moment. And I think a lot of times when we think of like, I want more, I want more. It's like, well, I got to get on a plane. I got to go somewhere. And that's absolutely true. I love to travel, but it's like, there's also more happening right here. And in the stillness, we can begin to see that. So yeah, I love that. Thank you for reading that and also sort of like sharing what was behind the images oh, behind yes, it. It's really beautiful. Mm, um, so it's fun. As, as, as we sit here, this book is out. Um, you're kind of bopping around being much more forward facing <laughs> because <laughs> that's part of what happens when a book yes. comes out. It's like, hey, conversations, yes, that's stages, what, that's all what I'm this learning. stuff. <laughs> it's a whole different world. And mm. like you said, also new mom, um, when you think about sort of like it feels like you're you're stepping into a new season in mm -hmm. in 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 your personal life in your creative life, um, and doors are opening. Do you? And what you just read was really beautiful, and it focused on um, the grace in the little things in the moment that so often we we blow past because yeah. you know we're so focused on the big things. When you sit here, sort of like in this moment of your life, is it your your practice more to try and? just be in this space with it or are you, cause you also strike me as being somebody who's very forward focused. Mm -hmm. Are you kind of looking at what's happening now and being like, well, we check these boxes and then we they take these steps and this is what can, it can lead to this and this and this, and this is what I'm going to build. Um, I'm curious just how you, you're processing this particular moment. Yes. I, it's interesting because I feel like, I am mostly in this moment, but in a very mental way, if that makes sense. That's sort of like my default. Like I am very intrigued about like what's happening in this moment, but in the sense of like, like I notice like where the actual light pours on the room. Like I, I do that all the time. Like since I've been sitting here, I've been amazed at how the, how the windows of that building distort the reflection, distort the, there's a re distorted reflection. And I'm really intrigued by it. Cause I was just like, if you were to paint that, I was like, how would you even do that? And I was like, or maybe you could just do paint the color and get the same effect. So that's sort of where, right. <laughs> where I go. I'm not really thinking ahead, but I'm thinking in the head, if that makes sense. And 
one thing that I'm learning to do now is just um, something my therapist is helping me with is, well, where do you feel it? Like in your body? Like, what do you feel in this moment? And that's something that's new for me. For instance, like I was doing, um, I was doing like a, I was doing like a like a mindfulness meditation, and and the and like the person doing the doing it was said something about like it's like notice where your feet are and how they support you. And I was like, oh, I don't even think about my feet. Right. I was like, I don't I don't think about where my feet or my hands or or what I'm feeling. So so yeah, it's. It's like I'm here, but then I'm also like up here and I'm trying to learn how to like <laughs> be all here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> vague way of saying that. Yeah. That no, it, it actually, it, it really resonates. I think it's about, um, I think so, it probably resonates with so many people, similar to the reason so much of you write resonates because I think there's such a common experience for us to kind of live from the neck up. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. because it's kind of the way we're wired. It's kind of the way that society rewards us, mm. but the best stuff, like the richest stuff in life happens from the neck down, yes. <laughs> you know, it's yes. like, and then when you can bring it together, when you can just like sort of find a way to integrate all of it, I think, I don't know if that, honestly, that is a sustainable state. I think mm. we move in and out of it, but when you're in it, it's like, you know it. Yes. And you just kind of want to linger there for as long yes, as possible. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I just started, um, is I, so I, I make artwork and most of my artwork is, is digital. Yeah. Um, I use my iPad pro and lately I've actually have been experimenting with real paint. Uh, going and back analog. Yes. Uh. Yes. And I've just been so amazed because I had like a very like, interesting moment it was actually yesterday morning so i wake up at 3 a.m every morning to start painting till till whatever uh the baby wakes up and so i was i was painting and i was like oh my goodness i was like i can do this i can do this i, I can do this and i was just like oh that's interesting i was like if i had tried to do that on my ipad it would have taken you know maybe an hour and i got there in in two minutes like doing an analog and i was just like I'm kind of like that in my head. I was like, mm. I try to talk myself into peace, into safety. And I was just like, if I would just like open the window and just like stare at a tree for a minute. I was like, I might get to the point of like, I'm going to be all right. I'm all right right now. So yeah, it's teaching me a lot. I, I, I know, I feel like I'm going to have a lot to say about that in the, in the days to come. Yeah. Well, I look forward to that. So sitting here in this container of the Good Life Project, um, if I offer up this phrase, to live a good life, what comes up? Mm. The first word that comes up for me is a full life, like just fully emerged head, heart, body, soul. And like you said, it's hard to fully do that (laughs) all the time. Like we can't just like be in that state all the time, but I think it's it's realizing like, wow, all of this together, it's good. I'm good. There are good things happening here. So, yeah, that's what that means to me hmm. today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening. And thanks also to our fantastic sponsors who help make this show possible. You can check them out in the links we have included in today's show notes. And while you're at it, if you've ever asked yourself, what should I do with my life? We have created a really cool online assessment that will help you discover the source code for the work that you're here to do. You can find it at sparkatype.com. That's S-P-A-R-K-E-T-Y-P-E. Or just click the link in the show notes. And of course, if you haven't already done so, be sure to click on the subscribe button in your listening app so you never miss an episode. And then share, share the love. If there's something that you've heard in this episode that you would love to turn into a conversation, share it with people and have that conversation. Because when ideas become conversations that lead to action, that's when real change takes hold. See you next time.